G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Uh, Our guest is the new Executive Director of Christians for Israel, Reverend Cornelis Kant, and also Ian Warby, who's well known to our listeners from Vision Radio. How are you doing, Ian? I'm really great. Uh, Hang on, turn me There you go, your mic's on, there you go, you're good? No, I'm doing really well. It's a beautiful winter's day, Uh and uh, uh, lovely to have our guest, first time to Australia. Uh So he was suffering for Jesus up at uh, Maroochydore yesterday. Okay. Uh, So got, got to see a little bit of Queensland. Oh, wonderful. Welcome to Australia, Reverend Cornelis. How are you? Thank you, thank you. It's the first time for me in my life uh, to be in Australia, mm-hmm. and uh, this is the third day. It's a wonderful experience. It's a beautiful surrounding here. We've saw, we've seen uh, the Pacific Ocean. Nice weather. The sun is shining, and I'm really privileged to be a guest here in this uh, vision. Mm. A broadcast station all over Australia, more than 700 points of uh, broadcasting. Ian told me it's uh, it's wonderful. Yeah, I'm, I'm humble. It, it, it's, it's a privilege for me to be here. Wonderful. Now, for those who don't know your story, I know that you've been pastoring in Holland for 25 years. Uh, tell us a bit about your background. Is it, are you originally from Holland? Is that your background? Yes, I've mm-hmm. born, I'm born and raised in Holland. Um, I've been uh, 14 years, uh, I did business on a bank in the insurance business and, uh, and in that time I studied theology because I wanted to work for the Lord in the future. And when I finished my study, I became a pastor in the Dutch church. I changed um, five times to a different church. But um, during my being a pastor, I more and more got involved in Israel. Mm -hmm. I studied about Israel. I learned to love Israel. Also, I learned it from my mother, who was very fond of Israel and studied about Israel. And um, so every two two years, I went with a group of my my members of the church uh, to Israel. Mm -hmm. And and then a few years ago, Christians for Israel in Holland asked me to... uh, to teach um, and give lectures about Israel uh, all over the country because Christians for Israel got more and more uh, demands in the country uh, for lectures and teaching about Israel. And then last year, they asked me to become the new director of Christians for Israel because we are almost in 40 countries worldwide. We have teams who um, teach in churches in all kinds of ways about the meaning of Israel in our Christian faith. Mm, wonderful. Now, for those who don't know about Christians for Israel, uh, I know I, uh, I regularly get the uh, the newspaper here in Australia for Christians for Israel, uh, Israel and Christians Today. They, they do a great newspaper. I've read a bit about it, and Ian and Mandy are often uh, sharing a bit about what they do. But tell us, uh, what is the heart of Christians for Israel? The heart of Christians for Israel is, well, it, it, it existed 40 years ago when a man in Holland, his name is Karl van Oort, he um, he found out that more and more countries wanted to boycott Israel and that most pastors in the Christian churches forgot to preach about Israel because Israel had no meaning, no significance. So we stopped his uh, business 
and he started teaching and preaching about Israel. Now, um, at this time, we are already in 40 countries worldwide. What's our core, our core message is that Israel has a huge significance in God's redemptive plan for the world. Uh, in short, we can say we as Christians, we believe in creation and we uh, believe in the sin of the fall of mankind in sin. And then Jesus came to die and to resurrect from the dead for our sins. And in future, he will come back and then everything will be okay. Well, that's in short our gospel. But Israel is lacking. Where is Israel? For most people, Israel is just the country, the place where it happened. Not more. It could have been Argentina or China or Australia as well. So, what is Israel? And that means that we forgot hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of passages in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that speak about an everlasting significance of Israel in God's plan. So, our purpose of Christians for Israel is just to convince churches, to convince Christians that it is important to study about Israel and to recognize that Israel has a huge plan, a huge part in God's plan. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, people who pray for the peace of Jerusalem and pray for Israel uh, regularly, which the Word of God tells us to do. Um, just give us some, uh, some insights into how can we pray for Israel? Well, we, we can pray for the Jewish people, that they put their faith on the Lord on the God of Israel. We can pray for Israel's safety because for 19 centuries, Jews were scattered all over the world. Now they may return to the promised land after the Second World War. And what do we see now? Israel is threatened by most of the countries that are surrounding Israel, like Iran, who has its ultimate goal to destroy Israel and the Jewish people. We have all kind of groups like Hezbollah and Hamas who do all efforts and invest millions of dollars in rockets and bombs to destroy Israel. So the world does not give the Jewish people rest to live in peace in their country. While Jesus was a Jew, he is a Jew. We are, we thank our great, we thank our salvation by the Jewish man, Jesus. So, and if we know that Israel has a huge part in God's plan in the future, then it is our Christian duty to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, to pay for the peace for the Jewish people, mm. a protection by the Lord. Mm. That's wonderful. Now, there are a, a lot of people who are very confused, and uh, there's lots of discussions about Israel, uh, in, particularly around replacement theology. Um, for those who don't understand what is Replacement theology. Would you explain what it is and what's your understanding of it? Yeah. Well, replacement theology is, in fact, is not a theology, but it is a theology in which Israel is lacking. So Israel has no meaning. Um, we, as Christians, have centered ourselves in the center of, of God's plan. We are God's people, and Israel has no meaning, or only when Jews convert to Jesus and become a member of our church. But we have to see that Israel has a huge significance in God's plan. So we as church did not replace Israel. We are God's people as Christians, but 
the Jewish people, they are still God's people. That never stopped because God made everlasting covenants with the Jewish people. He elected the Jewish people. And what is the fundament of the election? That is the love for the Jewish people and God's oath that he swore to the Jewish people. So they are God's people. They are our older brother. And we have to recognize that. It's grace that we may join the Jewish people, that they are not alone God's people, because during the Old Testament, they were God's people. But now we may join them, but we may not forget them. Now, I understand you've written a couple of books. I'd be very interested to find out about these ones. Firstly, one is called, Why is it so difficult for Jews to believe in Jesus? Tell us about that one. Oh, that's a long story. (laughs) Um, Well, in short, I can say, Most Christians think that Jews are too stubborn and to to recognize that Jesus is the Messiah. But we forget that that is a wrong concept, that is a wrong perception, that's a wrong idea. Because the fact that most Jews cannot believe in Jesus has also to do with the fact that God made them in a certain way blind for who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And that's a part of God's plan. We can read it in Romans. It's perhaps too difficult to, to go deep in this. But um, the fact is that God gave the Jews that they could not recognize Jesus so that the gospel should go into the world, out of Israel, to save us. But still, the Jewish people are God's people. And Second and third and fourth and fifth, we as Christians during the ages made it Jews almost impossible to believe in Jesus. In Europe, Jews were forced to convert to Jesus. If they didn't, they were taken out of their houses by violence into the church on Sunday morning and by force baptized. They were punished if they would not believe in Jesus. So we gave them the idea that Jesus hated the Jewish people and we made it almost impossible for them to believe. So it's our task to bless the Jewish people, to be solid in solidarity with them, to bless them, to pray for them, to serve them, not with a hidden agenda of conversion, but only to share the love of God with them. Mm. That's the only basis to build new friendship with the Jewish people. Amen. I'd love to read that book. That sounds fascinating. The other book you've written is about Palestinian Christian liberation theology. Tell us about this one. Uh, That's also uh, (laughs) confusing for uh, listeners perhaps early in the morning. But uh, Palestinian Christians created not a replacement theology, because replacement theology means that Jews were God's people, but they are not anymore God's people because they killed Jesus. Eh? That's the old idea. Um, Palestinian Christians, in their hate against the Jewish people, they created a new concept, and they say, well, in the Old Testament, there was no covenant with the Jewish people. The Jewish people were not God's people, because the Jew- because Israel there lived a lot of a lot of cultures, a lot of different people, and um, the, the, when the Old Testament says that God made a covenant with the Jewish people and they give them the, the, the land of Israel, 
that's just a metaphor, just a symbolic way of speaking, and because Israel was meant the whole wide world, and the Jewish people is all humankind all over the world. Mm-hmm. So the Old Testament wants to say God elected mankind all over the world, and the promised land is the whole planet Earth. That's what they say. So Israel and the Jewish people, they doesn't exist. They don't exist. They don't have any meaning, even not in the Old Testament. So it's a theology in which the Jewish people and Israel don't exist. Mm. So that's a, a very bad, a very evil, and a very unbiblical way of thinking. Mm. Well, you've certainly raised some wonderful uh, discussion points this morning. We're going to open the phone lines right now. If you'd like to call, and maybe you've got a question about Israel, our guest today is Reverend Cornelius Kent from Christians for Israel. Call now on 1-800-316-316. We'd love to hear from you if you've got a question you'd like to ask. Uh, Our guest is with us for the next 45 minutes. And if you'd like to see Reverend Cornelius talking in Australia, he's going to be at the Sydney Israel Institute in Eastwood in New South Wales this Thursday, the 18th at 11 a.m., also, Saturday, July 20, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., a Shalom Israel seminar at New Hope Baptist Church. That's a great name for a church. Uh, and also on Sunday, the 21st at 10 a.m., a Trinity Presbyterian Church in Caulfield in Victoria. And uh, if you want to find out more information about those, contact us here at Vision Radio. We can pass on the info. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you've got a question, now's the time to call. And uh, while we're still doing a bit of a Facebook Live, I'm just going to pass over to Ian Warby one more time. Uh, Ian, uh, we've been talking a lot about Israel this morning. If people want to go to Israel with you and Mandy, tell us a bit about what's on offer. Yes, well, we go uh, to Israel at least once a year, and we've got a a tour going this September. Um, And I think we've got about 40-odd people already going, so there could be a few seats left. Wonderful. Best place to go there would be to contact our wonderful, uh, experienced travel agents at olivetreetravel.com.au. Uh, and uh, or look them up and, and give them a call. I think it's one three hundred five five zero eight three zero and get the details. And we're also going again in the spring uh, in uh, next year in March, and uh, that's when we're doing uh, Israel, uh, Jordan, and we're going to be doing um, Greece. Greece. Yeah. Oh so, wow! Yeah. Sounds great. So, that's wonderful. Wonderful. Can I come? You're always welcome, <laughs> Matt. I'm always asking, can I come? Uh, and Anne from Labrador, have you got a question? Um, yeah. Um, you know the uh, mosque on where it is in Jerusalem? Um, will they be uh, taken over by the Jewish uh, and become their temple? I don't know whether that is biblical. I've heard people say that that's one of the signs before Jesus comes back. But I don't know whether that is biblical or it's just something that someone has just uh, kind of made up history, yeah. What are your thoughts, mate? Well, uh, it's a good question because um, a lot of pastors and a lot of Christians believe that you don't have to read the Bible text literally when it speaks about the coming of the new temple in the future. But I think we have to read the Bible like the prophet has meant it when he told it and when he read it. Well, there are a lot of prophets who speak about the coming of the temple in the kingdom of the Lord. Let's, for instance, take Ezekiel 37. I read you Ezekiel 37, verse 20, 27. 
that says that it's going about the future kingdom of peace worldwide, where the son of David, that is the Messiah, Jesus, will be the king. And then the text says, My dwelling place shall be with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forever. So, now the nations do not recognize Israel, but in the future all the nations will recognize Israel. And why? Because they are witnessing that the sanctuary, that the temple, will be again in Jerusalem on the place where the temple was in the past. Well, we all know that the buildings that there are now are not uh, the sanctuaries of the God of Israel. On the contrary, well, how the change will take place, I don't know. But I believe that there will be a new temple in the kingdom when Jesus will come back and will be king in Israel and his peace will be worldwide. And Jesus in the New Testament also said, my house will be a prayer house for all nations. Well, in his days, it was not a prayer house for all nations because Gentiles were not allowed to go to the temple. But in the future, all the people of the world can travel to Israel and go to the prayer house and pray and and praise the Lord who will be there physically present as the new king. So I believe this will really happen. Thank you so much, Anne, for your call. Okay, thank you. God bless. And now we've got uh, Jonathan from Perth in WA. How you going, Jonathan? Yes. Have you got a question? You know, uh, a good somebody is here who going to maybe explain. The, I've been hearing about this um, replacement theology. Uh, from my time I was a young man, I've been going to start with Sunday school and myself started sitting Sunday school in many years. I don't find this area where people are talking about about replacement theology. So if people are saying God, uh, God changed the Jewish people and this and that. So why is the nation of Israel people are still too and going there to see the nation? Why? If they have replacement theology, no more Israel, everything now black, and now God finished with Jewish people, they are no more, we are the Jewish people. Why are they going to see the land for? What are your thoughts on that? Well, um, where shall I begin? I would like to say, because there is a lot to tell about this. But let me say, the Jewish people are God's people when God elected them when he did his promise to Abraham and it was everlasting. So the Jewish people are still God's people. They are not perfect, but we as Christians are not perfect either. So they are still God's people. But during the ages, the Christian church has thought that Israel had played out, that the Jewish people were not anymore God's people. And now in the last century, our eyes were opened that um, Israel is still God's land and the Jewish people is still God's people. That sounds confusing because first Christians say they are not and now Christians say they are. It sounds confusing. But when we just read the Bible honestly and sincerely and we just read what the Bible says about the Jewish people and about Israel, then nothing has changed when the Old Testament was finished and the New Testament came. It's one testament. It's one um, um, story about God and the people and 
So nothing has changed regarding Israel. They are scattered all over the world. Now God is collecting them in their homeland, Israel, and they are just still God's people. And we as Christians, through Jesus Christ, the King of Israel, we may join them, we may be connected with them through grace, but the Jewish people, they were, they are, and will be God's elected people. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your call, Jonathan. God bless. And our guest in the studio is Reverend Cornelius Kant from Christians for Israel. And we have Marg from Brisbane joining us. Hey, Marg, have you got a question you'd like to ask? Yes. Go for it. Um, The Ten Ten Commandments say to keep the Sabbath holy. Jesus kept the Sabbath. So are we as Christian Gentiles to keep the Sabbath or not? Um, we, We went to Israel several years ago and went to um, a couple of Sabbath services, uh, Messianic Sabbath services, and we're really blessed. And we want to know what the significance is for us here now. Reverend, what what are your thoughts? Well, um, let me tell this. Um, This issue about the Sunday and the Sabbath is indeed a a sensitive topic among Christians. There are Christians who really believe that we have to hold the Sabbath, like the Jews do from Friday evening until Saturday evening, and Mm -hmm. some of them in congregations go to the church on the Sabbath on Saturday morning. Well, Mm -hmm. the the thoughts behind it are are solid, because the Bible speaks about the Shabbat. Um, On the other hand, the church in the 4th century um, introduced the Sunday as the day um, that the Lord has risen from the dead. We also read in some places in the New Testament that the young Christian community gathered um, on the first day, on the Sunday morning, sometimes on hidden places to to come together. Um, and then the Sunday was inaugurated in the fourth century as the resting um, day for the Christians. Some uh, motives behind it had were a bit anti-Semitic. Uh, yes. There was an anti-Jewish yes. feeling in the Roman yes. Empire when the Sunday was um, was set and as as the resting day for Christians. Well, we can, I can of course say, well, we all have to keep the Sabbath holy, and all the Christian churches have to change to the Sabbath to the Saturday. That that's a possibility. And I won't say that it is wrong. On the other hand, there is another feeling, another opinion that says, well, suppose that all Christians worldwide, 1.8 or 9 billion, I think, would hold the Shabbat, suppose. And we're going to live a little bit like Jews. And then the second step is that we um, go to wear the kippah, um, next step could be that men are going to cir- circumcised. Uh, I know some men who really believe that it is also our commandment to get circumcised. Then it could happen that we more and more are going to live like Jews. And that could be a new form of assimilation um, in direction of the Jewish people. So I think... It's my idea that it is not wrong when Christians have the Sunday and that the Jewish people, 15 million worldwide, that the Jewish people are 
significant are um, recognizable and um, protected in their celebrating the Shabbat. So I would say I will yeah. leave it up to every Christian to decide for himself or for herself what to do with the Shabbat. I shall not say you have to do this or you have to do that. But The Ten Commandments, they were given to um, the Jews and the Gentiles, weren't they? Uh, the Ten Commandments were given by Moses, by the Lord, to the Jewish people during their trip through the desert on their way yeah. to the Promised Land. But also yeah. for us Christians, there are rich yeah. values in the Ten Commandments. Um, but I would like, my pledge should be, let's not make fights and argues no, about no, Sunday no. and Sabbath. I think no. both both options have their value. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, after after being over there and being to a Shabbat service, yeah. um, it is truly blessed. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. That really should be, yeah. 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 Surely, surely, yeah. yeah. Thank you very much, and you're welcome to come to Brisbane. Well, I know you're in Brisbane, but you're welcome to speak over in the Redlands if you wanted to. Because okay. <laughs> I'm looking at Ian Warby. He is my host. There's an offer, okay. Hopefully next year. <laughs> but thank you for your hospitality. We, we, we could arrange a meeting over here if you wanted to. All right. Might be able to talk great. to your people, Bev. Thanks yeah. for your call. Thank you very much. God bless you. Can I just Bye. say something? Oh, yeah, go for it. Yep. Can I just say something interesting? You know, um, we're so used to here on, you know, Sunday used to be like a public holiday, and but today all the shops are open. In Israel... On Shabbat, everything closes down. Yeah. Um, on Sunday, it's like our Monday. The kids go to school on Sunday, work is on Sunday, and so on. So you, it's be very hard to be worshipping in Israel on Sunday, mm, okay? Mm. But the reverse is true. Because, you see, in the Jewish mind, the day starts at sundown, not sunrise. And so when it says that Jesus rose on the first day of the week, we're thinking Sunday uh, it was like after sunset on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it kind of does our mind in. So we have to understand the cultural context as well. So the Jewish believers in, in Messiah, they still go to the synagogue on Friday and Saturday. And then Saturday evening is the first day of the week. Mm. So they are also breaking bread for Yeshua, for Jesus, okay, but not on on Sunday, because that's like our Monday. They're going to work and school mm, and mm. so on. So it's interesting, isn't Fascinating it? Fascinating stuff. Yeah. Thank you, Ian Warby. Uh, also uh, on the line right now, uh, if you want to call, there is one line available. Call through on 1-800-316-316. John from Adelaide, have you got a question or a comment? Yes, I do. Go for it. Good morning, Ian. Morning. Um, yes, I'm a little bit worried about the, the temple. Okay, I have a Pentecostal background, and... Um, if the temple is going to be rebuilt, okay, what will happen? There will be animal sacrifice. What are your thoughts on that, Reverend Cornelis? Well, let me tell you this, that the animal sacrifice in the Old Testament looked forward to the real sacrifice of the Messiah, Jesus. So that means that animal sacrifice is not any more necessary. But what will happen in the future temple? If I'm honest, I have to say I don't know. Perhaps there will be, again, animal sacrifice. There are rabbis who say um, animal sacrifice is not any more necessary, but in the future perhaps there will be one 
animal sacrifice to look back to what Jesus did on the cross, yes. just to commemorate and to look back and to celebrate his victory over sin and over death. Perhaps there will be one ceremonial animal sacrifice in the future, and then perhaps the temple will be a prayer house for all the nations. That's an idea, and that idea attracts me. Um, most rabbis don't think that the animal sacrifice will be again for ages and ages like it was in the Old Testament. But I have to say, I have to admit... I don't know because the Bible doesn't say any doesn't say a lot about it so I just I would advise and say let's wait and see and let's trust that God is good God is wise he will do with the new temple what he wants to do in the kingdom of peace so I will say it will be good it will be perfect I do I do have one more little question yeah Okay, um, reconciliation between grace and the law. If the commandments were not abolished, okay, yeah. then um, how, how do we as believers, especially when it comes to the temple, because we are the temple of God, the Holy Spirit, God actually lives in us yeah. and he doesn't live in the temple. So how can we possibly reconcile, um, say, animal sacrifice for sin when Christ died for our sin, okay, yeah. Uh, we've been redeemed through him, yeah. okay, forgiven through him. Yeah. So not, it's not going to be through animal sacrifice. So my problem is how, how can we reconcile? Was the law or the Ten Commandments, well, when we talk about the law, it's a little bit more than the Ten Commandments, were they abolished through mm -hmm. Christ? Jesus Christ has fulfilled all the law because the Jewish people could not. We as mankind cannot fulfill the law. Jesus did fulfill the law. That means that we do not have any more to fulfill the law to become a child of God and to become grace. We may live purely from grace. But the law is not something bad uh, that has to be abolished. The law no, it's is still written upon our heart. Yeah, yeah. And, but, and we, you know, because we love Christ, you know, we obey him out of our love for him. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, that's right. We will, we will keep the law. In fact, we go further than the law. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's yeah, very interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. But, but I will, I will uh, remind you to uh, Isaiah 2, that's about the kingdom of peace, and that uh, text will say in Isaiah that for out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the law from Jerusalem, and he shall judge between the nations. So, what law is going out of Zion and out of Jerusalem in the kingdom of peace? Um, I would say, let's wait and see. I think that the real positive living values of serving God will go out from Jerusalem, not the cursing and the punishing aspects, but the blessing aspects of the law. So I think the way the law will be executed in the future kingdom is a perfect, full of love, uh, healing way of following the law. And how that will look in practice, I don't know. I will wait and see, but I trust the Lord. He is good. He is full of love. So what is the law in the future will mean for us we will wait and see, the Lord will show us, and it will be good. Yes, is there any other news about the rebuilding of the temple? 
is there anything that you could any updates or anything that you could um, I have no news I know that there are Jews who want to rebuild the temple and uh, most of them want to wait until the Messiah will come um, I don't have any new developments and I will hope things will remain calm and restful and when Jesus will come back yes. he will do what he has to do Thank you very much. Thanks okay. for coming, John. Bless. Bless you. And if you'd like to join the conversation, we've got another 10 minutes with Reverend Cornelius Kant from Christians for Israel in the studio. Call through on 1-800-316-316. And Bev from Queensland, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Matt. Thank you. Good. What's your question? Um, the gentleman mentioned before about the hardness in parts come on the Jewish race until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And I was wondering, that fullness, is it a number or is it a maturity? Um, honestly, I must say, I don't know. That sounds a bit, uh, yeah, I don't know how to say. But the fullness of the Gentiles um, will mean there will be a moment in the future that God will say, now it's enough. Now the time of grace um, is gone over. Perhaps God has a number in his mind. I don't know. The Bible doesn't explain what the fullness of the Gentiles is. So and when the Bible doesn't explain, that means the Bible leaves it open. Mm-hmm. So we can debate about it. We can have our ideas. And perhaps people with a prophetic um, gift will, will, will explain more when it comes at that moment. I don't know if it is a number or it is if it is another uh, way of, of, of another aspect of interpreting the text. But let me just say, there will be a moment that God will say, now the limit, now the time uh-huh. has come to restore the Jewish people and to, to come, that let the kingdom come. And in it is in God's mind how to explain the fullness. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I will leave it up to him in full trust. And also in um, 1 John chapter 5, verse 6, it says Jesus came by the water and the blood, not by the water only, but the water and the blood. Yeah. I can't find any commentary tying that to the virgin birth. Yeah. Um, well, let me tell you this. Um, 1 John is written in the time that the Greek um, philosophy entered also the Christian church and that the whole emphasis came on the spiritual aspect. So our body didn't have any meaning or significance. It is all about the spirit. Our body would die in the soil. The spirit would go to the heaven. Um, The Lord wants to explain us that Jesus is not just a spiritual man only. Eh? In the early church, they thought that Jesus was a spirit and that his body was just a jacket that was pulled over the the spirit, and the spirit was everything and the body was nothing. But that is Greek thinking. It means that Jesus is the Son of God, and not Joseph, but but, but God is his Father, and Maria, the Jewish woman, is his pure natural mother. So Maria got pregnant from the Lord. We don't know how. 
how that went physically, it's a mir- it's a mir- it- it's a mystery. Mm. That's how I see that scripture explaining that because with the, the breaking of the hymen, there's blood, and so to me that gives you the water and the blood. He came by the water and the blood. All the commentaries talk about him on the cross, and I can't tie that in with anything else but the virgin birth. Yeah, that's right. I I, I think so too, uh, perhaps both. But um, I really think that Jesus was physically and spiritually full man and full God, as we believe. And that means that also his body means that he had a Jewish body. He was a Jewish man. And after his resurrection, you could see the wounds in his hands and in his feet. That that means that even after his resurrection, when he became the heavenly body, he was recognizable as a Jewish man. So that means that a Jewish man died for me on the cross. And at this moment, a Jewish man is sitting on the right hand of the Father. And when he comes back, a Jewish man will be the king of the world, the king in Israel. So he is full man and full son of God. Yes. Thank you. All right. Thank Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bev. God bless. And joining us on the line right now is Glenn from Buffalo Creek in Victoria. How are you doing, Glenn? Good, thank you. Thank you. Good, mate. What's your question? Oh, I just wanted to make a... Um, he's, our friend has brought up some very interesting um, topics and uh, and the people who have rang in have asked some very good questions and it's all to do with reading. If we read a book by um, uh, Rabbi Schneider, we find out why the division between Christianity and Judaism goes way back before... Constantine. Constantine just didn't change Roman edict, but it was in fashion uh, way back in the days of Paul. Paul was addressing the problems. But, you know, I've spent a little bit of time in the in the Jewish community, and one of the worst words you can use when talking to a, a Jewish man is the word conversion. They don't need to be converted. They need to be made complete. Paul said, brethren, I would have you complete, lacking in nothing. Um, When we come to them and we bring them their scriptures and we show them how the Lord completed everything, um, uh, and it it all should make sense, but there's a blindness that's there, and, um, uh, and, and it will be taken away. And there'll be a massive revival coming out of Israel. The world will shake, and um, uh, and and all the nations will know that God is alive in in Zion. But um, yeah, I just wanted to um, and and the man that rang about the the temple, if if he reads Ezekiel, he'll find about the sacrifices and so on, what it'll be like. The Bible has all the answers. All we've got to do is just read and then read and then read again. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your call, Glenn. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate appreciate it. And to our friend, Shalom, shalom Tova. Thank you very much. Shalom to you too. Now, uh, before we wrap up, we've got a few minutes until we, uh, we finish up today. And uh, I just thought maybe we could spend some time praying for Israel. 
because there's a lot of Christians around Australia that just don't get it, that we've got to be praying for Israel regularly. We pray for Australia. We pray for our church and our family. But we've got to pray for Israel regularly. Would you just give us an insight into how we can pray for Israel and then lead us in a prayer? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, it's uh, in a minute telling how to pray for Israel is impossible, I would <laughs> say. But I would like to say pray in the way you are. Stay close to yourself. Don't make it in an artificial prayer that you learn from someone else, but pray a prayer that comes from your heart in your own words. And when you want to pray for Israel, like I said before, it's so important to pray for their, their spiritual well-being, that they uh, don't, be sec- don't be secular, but they, that they believe in their God, that trust their God, that they will trust their coming Messiah. We know that Jesus is their coming Messiah. They will see that their Messiah uh, is, will be Jesus. But uh, pray for them um, that they will be protected in Israel from evil powers inside Israel and outside, that they will be protected, that they will live in rest, that they will live in peace, that they will be a unified people, because Jewish people are also divided. When we see when there are elections and there are debates, uh, it just sometimes it looks like an American style or a European style, um, that they behave like as being a light for the world. So there has Israel is not perfect, so we pray that they will be a people that are a light for the world. They are a light for the world in many, many ways on humanitarian aspects, but that it may be visible for the world. So and that we pray for Israel, also pray that the eyes of the Christians, the eyes of the pastors and the eyes of the Christian churches may be opened for the place of Israel. Well that's in short a few points that are very important to pray because it's in the, it's in the benefit of Israel when churches stand up and churches are um, defending Israel and the churches are standing with Israel that they show solidarity with Israel and that what threatens Israel from the United Nations and from powers in the Middle East that those powers will be mentioned and that they will be unveiled and that they will be recognized as evil powers. So that's important. The church has to stand up. So also pray for the church because that's in the benefit of Israel. Okay, let's pray. Let's pray. Lord in heaven, we want to thank you that you give us the freedom here in Australia to talk about Israel, to debate, to discuss, and to pray for Israel. Thank you for the freedom that we are having here in this part of the world. And we want to pray you for Israel, for the Jewish people. Will you bring them back in the land of their fathers? Will you give them rest? Will you give them peace? Will you give them faith in their hearts by your Holy Spirit? Will you protect them from the evil powers of Hamas and Hezbollah and Fatah and PLO and Iran and Syria and whatever? Lord, protect them because the powers of the evil are mighty. But you are the mighty protector. You are the Lord, the God of Israel and the Lord of the Christian church. Lord, bless Israel, bless the Jewish people, but also bless the Christians and bless the churches. Open our eyes for the place of Israel, that churches and church leaders and pastors will stand up and stand with Israel and confess the place of Israel and that they have the guts to, to preach about Israel 
not being afraid of division or something, but that they preach the reality and the truth from the Bible about Israel in God's redemptive plan in the name of Jesus, the Messiah of Israel, the Messiah of the Christians, the Lord of the Church, and the King in the Kingdom of Peace in the future. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And our guest is Reverend Cornelius Kant, who's out here with Christians for Israel. And if you'd like to see him speak uh, on Thursday, the 18th of July, at the uh, Sydney Israel Institute, and uh, that is uh, in Eastwood. Also on Saturday, the 20th of July, at New Hope Baptist Church in Victoria, and Sunday, the 21st of July, at Trinity Presbyterian Church in Caulfield. You can uh, catch him there. And if you want those details, just contact us here at Vision. We can pass them on to you. Uh, just give us a call here. Uh, talk to the team. Uh, you can call on one 800 We'll pass on that information. Uh, Reverend Cornelius Kent, it's been wonderful having you in our studio today. Shalom, shalom. God bless. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Shalom, shalom. And hope to be back. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.